Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope everyone is doing good. Just before I introduce today's guest, just a quick reminder that I have a special discount code for anyone listening to the podcast who wants to book any of my courses. I have that in the show notes, so please take a look at that and all of my course dates and information and things like that is on my website and you can find that link below as well as lots of other links below for things that you might find useful as well. Today's guest is Kelly. Kelly was a podcast listener and she has come on to share her birth story. It's a really good example of the success that you can have with hypnobirthing even if you don't discover it until quite late into your pregnancy. So thank you so much to Kelly. I will play the episode for you now. So hello, Kelly. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast to talk to me. If you would like to introduce yourself to everybody. Um, My name is Kelly McLaurin and I am from Washington State in the Seattle area. Perfect. And so you have two children yes so I yeah I have a two and a half year old um and I have my baby Remy nine months old who I had a hypnobirth with oh that's a nice age gap as well I think mine must be fairly similar to yours do you know what the actual month gap is between them they are two years and one month apart oh that's nice yeah so I've got about I've got just under two years between mine, but it, it is, it's hard work when they're little, when they're so close together, but as they get older, what, what I've experienced is it's, it's so nice because they play together and, you know, they're similar ages. Definitely not. I appreciate hearing that because you're right. It is a lot when they're this young. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's hard because you kind of want to be, you know, you need to be with the baby, but then, you know, the toddler needs you. It, yeah, I, I totally get it. But as they, I promise, as they get older, um, it's much easier to kind of do things with them, you know, because they're interested in the same sorts of things. So it's it's nice. It's it's a good um, it's a good age gap, I would say. Okay, no, so tell me, what was it that got you interested in hypnobirthing in the first place? Um, well, I had an interesting experience with my first birth. So I actually um, had to be induced, and because of that, I wanted an epidural. And I hadn't heard of hypnobirthing at the time, uh, but what happened is two two nights after I gave birth, I lost my voice, and I lost my voice for a month and a half, and we didn't know why. And come to find out, it was more than just my vocal cords were paralyzed. One of them, um, and so my ear, nose, and throat doctor didn't know. Um, what was going on. And I, it was scary. I didn't know if I was going to get my voice back until a couple of days after I visited the ear, nose and throat doctor, he called me and asked me, did do you get an epidural? And I said, yes. And he said, there are five cases of women who have this vocal cord paralysis after receiving either the epidural or a spinal for a C-section. Wow. And I say this with a grain of salt because I scare people when I talk about this because the epidural is so common and it's such a good tool for um, 
for birth and it's so rare. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I've never heard of it before, but then when you said there's five cases, you realize why you've never heard of it. So how unusual, but yeah, it's, it sounds, if you think about, like you said, the amount of people that get epidurals every single day all over the world, it's, it's very rare, but how, so it was a day after, did you say? Two days after. Two days after. God, that must have been so scary. It really was. And it was, you know, there's so much you kind of lose after um, giving birth. You lose your body autonomy and your ability to, to just walk without it being painful and all of that. And so to also lose my voice, my husband was doing a lot of the talking at our appointments and, um, and I was just whispering. (laughs) Um, And then how long did uh, it take? How long did it take? Yeah. To kind of get back to a month and a half. Um, and again, all of this without knowing what was happening and without, um, knowing if it was ever going to come back and my voice clearly came back, but uh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the, the one thing though, is that there's some areas in my voice, there's like a falsetto that just trills. Like I've lost a certain capacity of it and I, I can tell no one else can tell. (laughs) Right. You can tell. Yeah. I get that. But that made me really nervous for the second birth and not wanting to get that epidural again. And I tried to work with my OB and my anesthesiologist and uh, see if there was some I don't know, reassurance they could give me that if I got the epidural that this wouldn't happen again. And of course, nobody followed up on the five cases to see what (laughs) happened with these women if they got a second epidural. And I was just like, I, I don't want to risk this. This is, it was scary. Um, I I don't want to lose more of my voice. And so I started listening to a podcast, um, the push guide, um, just listening to a bunch of different birth stories on there. Um, and I did this rather late because I'm a teacher <laughs> and I had a toddler and I just didn't have time to no. really think about the fact that I was pregnant and, mm. you know, really focus on what, what I want my birth plan to be until, um, winter break from school. And so I was, 34 weeks pregnant and kind of freaking out a little bit, um, listening to these podcast stories. And the ones that I liked the most just casually mentioned that they had a hypnobirth. Interesting. Yeah. And and so I was like listening and I I wanted more um, of those because I was like, okay, if I'm not going to use the epidural, what tools can I use? What what um, strategies do other women use? And yeah, they just were casual about, oh yeah, I had a hypnobirth. So I was like, I need to find more about this. And then I found you and I found your podcast. (laughs) And it's such a big part of my birth story because it really changed the trajectory of what I I wanted and um, gave me so much hope and so much positivity as opposed to focusing on my fear about doing this without the epidural, um, that there's a better way to, to... have a baby and through listening to your podcast I was still trying to like since everything was last minute um I was thinking I could DIY this like I could I could listen to maybe some meditations and I could kind of try um hypnobirth on my own and um you really 
were an advocate for doing the class. And I'm glad that you did because I found someone, Barbara Decker, to give me a hypnobirth class last minute. So that was not, let's see, 34 weeks, I found the podcast, 36 weeks, I um, signed up for a hypnobirth class. So she worked around my schedule and made sure that we got this 12-hour class in. Um, That's amazing. I know. And then through the class and what I was learning, I decided I don't want a hospital birth. I want a birth center birth. So at 38 weeks pregnant, wow. I changed to do um, a birth center birth. <laughs> amazing. And also like, I obviously like, I I do have people like yourselves who don't necessarily discover it until they're quite late on in, the, on in their pregnancy. And yeah, so you know, it happens often as it happened with you as well. But it still can make such a huge difference, as I'm sure you're about to prove when you share your story with us. But it it still at any point, I always say like it can you'll learn. If you only learn one thing, you've learned one thing, you know, that's gonna help. So I always think, yeah, okay, if you're if you've got time to choose, then do it a bit earlier. But if you don't, don't worry. There's still there's still time to do things. I'm so pleased that you found somebody and that you were able to work it around your schedule. But me too. I mean, I I just feel like what happened is I went from this place of fear and then I was listening to your podcast. It's all positivity. And then I just felt so blessed by the people I ran into, like this lovely woman, Barbara Decker, who did my my classes, the fact that she took me on and worked around my schedule, I was just so blown away. And then as you know, you're doing all these positive affirmations through the class. And then the birth center that uh, the midwives I worked with are so like wonderful and beautiful people and um, took me on, even though it could be any minute that I was giving birth. And um, yeah. It was just such a, such a positive journey. <laughs> I think that as well with things like hypnobirthing, but obviously other things as well, but they do lead you to, it does lead you to meet or just even just consume like content from other like amazing people that can bring so much wisdom and education. Like I always say to people that I teach, there's so many people on Instagram that you could just, we're so lucky now that you have so many amazing people giving you so much free, amazing content that we didn't have. Even six years ago when I had my first daughter, there wasn't as much stuff around. And I think it's amazing that you can kind of, yeah, like work your way through this amazing kind of group of people and they all have something amazing to say. So yeah, it's it's great to make those connections with people. And it's so inspiring, I think, as well, like hearing particularly women, of course, talking um, about these topics. I always feel so inspired by it because we're all just trying to help each other, aren't we? So um, I always think it's amazing. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so please share your story. Tell us about your birth. Okay, well, my birth story started with Braxton Hicks, um, or practice labor, as you call it in hypnobirthing. Um, it was a Wednesday evening that it began. And I remember going to bed and tapping my husband and being like, the baby's coming. <laughs> like, I know this is it. It's happening. And uh, you're not going to work tomorrow. Like, this is, this is 
going to happen. And then, um, of course, the next morning he he got up with our toddler so I could sleep because we were thinking I was doing labor. But I came out all sheepish like, OK, it's <laughs> not it's a, it's Braxton Hicks. We haven't had any pro- progress. Um, and so uh, the next day, like I didn't realize how long you know, Braxton Hicks can last. Um, it, so uh, we were timing them and, you know, they of course weren't getting any closer together and they were kind of random. And, and I felt them only in one place cause I had Googled it and, you know, or, and I think I learned in the hypnobirthing class that you feel normal contractions all throughout your uterus. And so, um, I was only feeling them in one place. So I was like, no, this isn't it. And, so uh, that lasted and I went through Friday and that day um, my husband did go to work, even though I was still having these. And then yeah. I called my father-in-law who watches um, our little ones every once in a while now. Um, and he took her so I could just kind of pamper myself and see if Good I could plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause I was like, you know what? I can manage these contractions, but it's harder to manage them and a two-year-old. So absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I listened to my midwife's advice, which was, you know, like take um, take baths and with Epsom salt, and then also do the mile circuit. So I did that, and I ended up walking up sideways on the stairs to try and get the baby's head in position and do all that's, that. Yeah, that's a good, that is often a good thing to do, like a crab. I always think like, you're a bit like a crab, aren't you, going up sideways? But yeah, it's good for getting their baby's head like engaged. Mm-hmm. So I did the mile circuit twice on Friday and then nothing happened. I felt so discouraged. I thought this is going to do it. This is totally going to jumpstart labor. But then um, I went to bed at midnight and I couldn't go to sleep because Wednesday night and Thursday night, I was able to like fall asleep in between the contractions and it was no big deal. I mean, I did like get woken up every once in a while. So it wasn't like perfect sleep, but it, it still, I could, if I could manage it. Um, and then Friday night, couldn't fall asleep, tried for a while and then was like, you know what, I'm just going to go sit on my birth ball. And I watched a show um, and I realized I couldn't even watch the show at this point. Like this was the pain had increased and I started, I went to the bathroom and I found bloody show and I was like, oh gosh. Okay. So now I'm nervous, even though I know that's supposed to be normal. Like it's still nerve wracking to find blood. And, um, and I was in, I was dealing with these contractions. Like I didn't, I couldn't manage them and I didn't know, I couldn't get comfortable through them. And so woke up my husband, we called the midwife and she just was like, Hey, have you tried maybe taking a shower? And I just felt so silly because I knew that was one of my tools. I, yeah. <laughs> I knew like changing it up, but in the moment when I was dealing with the contractions, I just like, couldn't think. But um, also you had had a different experience first time because you'd been induced. So you hadn't had this part of your labor, had you first time? Correct. So correct. it was all, it was all different and we can't, it is sometimes hard to think you know when we're kind of in that oh uh okay this is happening it's hard to rationalize your thoughts I suppose isn't it so it's yeah. nice yeah it's nice to have that person that can be like right do this <laughs> you know? yeah and it made all the difference so 
So I was panicky and in pain and worried about not being able to get through this. And then I had Tim follow me into the shower and count my contractions. Um, And yeah, and count like how far away they were and all that jazz. Because at this point, they still were, um, they were painful, but they were still in the same place. And so I thought this must still be Braxton Hicks. Interesting. And so um, I brought my hypnobirth affirmation track and I listened to that and it, it calmed me down and soon the shower turned into a bath. And then I listened to rainbow relaxation track and I just kept that on repeat. And I was sitting pretty in the tub. I was just so chill after. Oh, nice. Yes. I just calmed down. I was breathing through the contractions. They were no longer the painful, unmanageable contractions, they were fine. And um, probably as well, because you you relaxed, you know, your body relaxed, and therefore you were able to experience it differently. And like, you know, that's something that that we teach. And I'm sure that you were taught as well, that actually a relaxed body, you know, works more efficiently. Um, So yeah, that could have had something to do with it as well. Oh, I totally believe it did. Yeah, I totally believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So there were, while I was relaxed in the tub, there were only two things that were kind of on my mind as stressors. And one is I need someone to watch Katala (laughs) Um, and, and I need, um, well, I had a friend who had a a birth center birth and her um, experience of the ride to the birth center, the car ride was not a pleasant one. And so I was kind of nervous about the car ride. Um, I, to my um, hypnobirth instructor about that. And she gave me some strategies like keep your eyes closed and just listen to your track and breathe through and all that. But yeah, since I still thought this might be Braxton Hicks, I talked to my husband. I was like, it's got to be okay for us to call your dad and for this to not be real because he does a graveyard shift at Boeing. And so he'd be coming away from work. (laughs) So that's quite a lot of added pressure as well, because you're you're obviously wanting to make sure that if you do call him, you know, it's happening. That's yeah, that's quite a lot of pressure. Right. And so he's like, nope, it's okay. We can do that. And then, um, uh, you know, Jerome came and he was waiting for Katala to wake up before bringing her to his house. So that was one stressor off my plate. And then I had to do the car ride. And I was worried that if I got out of the tub and I moved around that I would lose my relaxation. And so I just waited till the next contraction and then got up and dried myself off and got dressed. And then when the next one came, I just paused and breathed through it and I was able to do it. It was just like fantastic. It felt like magic to me. And um, yeah, my husband was loading up the car with our to-go bags and I was able to go and chat with my father-in-law and kind of joke with him. And then, you know, just in conversation, I'd have to stop and just breathe through a contraction and then I could chat again. (laughs) This whole time I had the, the rainbow relaxation track on speakerphone. So everybody's listening with the two with me. (laughs) Oh, it sounds nice though. (laughs) Yeah. And then the car ride was fine too. I, I listened to the track in that and I was able to chat, like joke and chat with my husband about um, the, the words and the, the cheesier words yeah. in the track and stuff. And 
yeah, the, the car ride was no problem. And when I got to the birth center, I was so relaxed. I just felt like a surfer dude. Like, did they comment on your, how relaxed you were? They, I, not entirely like they, they did when we found out that I was nine centimeters dilated. So wow. well, when you first got there, you were nine centimeters already. Yeah. So I got there and they were like, they greeted us and then showed <laughs> us the room and they knew that I'd had Braxton Hicks. So in my head, I feel like I'm still, this is still very possibly Braxton Hicks, especially because I'm dealing with it so well. Yeah. Problem. It can't and be real. <laughs> it can't be. Yeah. And so, um, they were, you know, offering me different things to do or, you know, use um, birth ball, rocking chair, whatever. And I just took the first thing on their list because I was just like, I don't know. I don't care. I'm fine. <laughs> and they offered me a cervical check, which I wanted to not do as much, but they reminded me that I, I tested positive for group B strep. And so I would okay. need to have um, antibiotics. And so a cervical check would help them kind of time that. So I was like, okay, let's get it over with. And <laughs> we did it. And it, it was like, after maybe 15, 20 minutes of being at the birth center, that was nine centimeters dilated. And they're wow. like, okay. at that point, everyone was surprised of where wow. we were. At. Yeah. How nice for you as well, though. Like, I bet you felt like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it was, it was so nice for me. In fact, Friday night before we went to bed, I told my husband, I was like, I feel like I'm all the way dilated and I'm the only one that knows it just because I've done so much work with these Braxton Hicks. Maybe you were like, who knows? You could have been like halfway there. Could have been. How You know, you never, never know, I suppose. But yeah, like how amazing to, you know, that's like the, I feel like that's like the dream position to be in where it's been manageable. And then you find out you're pretty much completely dilated. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, dream scenario. I, I really, I really did have an ideal birth story and okay. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, nine centimeters dilated. They said, okay, well, we don't have time to do the antibiotic, but no. we're just going to your baby. Yep. And, um, and then they offered me to go in the tub. So I did that. And just, I actually asked my husband to get a video of me doing a contraction at the nine centimeters because I was so calm and so Zen. Amazing. And, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And still able to, to chat with him a bit. And then there were a couple of times I tried to change position in the tub because I was like, <laughs> I was floating, but I was sort of in a reclined um, position. And I like, I was like, uh, F the patriarchy. I don't want to <laughs> get my back like this. Is... And it didn't occur to me that like the fact that I was in water doesn't mean I was giving birth on my back. I was still weightless, you know. That's but... incredible. I love that. They're <laughs> but... not making me be on my back. Damn it. I'm not going on my back. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know enough that I don't have to do this. And, um, but no other position was good for me. So Some, sometimes it's just more comfortable on your back, like, <laughs> but that's okay. Because that's, that's you, that's you deciding that. So that's okay. <laughs> yes. I have not been forced into this. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, stay in the tub. Um, at a certain point I did throw up, which the, um, uh, midwife told me it was pretty normal when you're fully a your, your adrenaline probably yeah because you get like yeah. a huge 
spike of it once you're in your kind of transition stage and adrenaline obviously it can sometimes make people you know a bit bit sick so yeah 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 so so that happened and then it was I think you're, you must be right because it was right after that that was in like the go stage of right yeah so I had such an easy time with the contractions all the way up to when it was time to breathe the baby down and they were actually like the contractions changed. Yeah. I really struggled for a bit. Um, I definitely had the moment where I looked at Tim and was like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm scared. That's your transition. That's completely normal. So many people experience that it's, it's because you get this adrenaline and what it does is you've been so relaxed and you're, you know, your kind of thinking part of your brain hasn't been involved and then suddenly it switches on and it's saying, hang on a minute, I I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this. It's yeah, it's completely normal. And it's so interesting. I talk to so many people on this podcast who actively know their transition stage and or they can pinpoint it like you can like that is that's what would have been happening then. I find it so just find it so fascinating that we can like (laughs) you know, we can notice these changes. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. I mean, for sure. And I, I know, I know my husband, Tim could definitely pinpoint it too. Cause I was gripping his hand like real hard. He's like, I'm going to lose feeling in my hand unless he, he gripped back. And so amazing. Yeah. So I, I, I couldn't relax through those contractions. I was trying to figure out how to do it. I was trying to relax the same way I had before and it wasn't working. And, um, you know, midwife had to remind me like, breathe Kelly. Cause I was gritting. And, yeah. um, and so after a while, like I realized, okay, let me just kind of study what is happening in my body and see if I can go with the flow and just like not fight it because that's what I'd been doing. Um, and I was able to get better at it, but oh my gosh, it was such a struggle. It was so, um, a lot more challenging to relax through that. But, you know, a couple things happened that were pretty cool. And one is like, I know, I remember, um, and I heard on your podcast, somebody mentioning that they um, could feel the, when the baby crowns and it not being a big deal, like not being the ring of fire that it's usually called. And was she talking about how she really enjoyed feeling it? Like, it yes. was like a wow. I yes. you know I can feel it. How empowering! Yes, that I, I had that. You know, amazing. And I, I, so I, so that was really cool. Um, and then you know, at a certain point, they said you can feel the head of the baby. So I got to reach down, and yeah. they, they also mentioned that um, the amniotic sac hadn't broken yet. <gasps> and so when I reached down and felt his head, it was like gooey. <laughs> yeah yeah called a little astronaut head (laughs) that's amazing and so rare as well like that's what I learned from your podcast and it it was interesting because the midwife had told me Kelly it's okay if you want to put your own push on this next one and I I was like oh I don't know I'm conflicted I know there's different schools of thought on like putting your own push an oath on breathing the baby down and um how do I feel about this but once I felt the amniotic sac 
I was like, okay, things must be going really well and smoothly in order for that water to not have broken yet. So I feel yeah. like I felt good about putting my own push on yeah. that. And then at a certain point, um, my midwife said, okay, I want you to push real slow at first and then push all the baby out after the, on this next contraction. And so I just kind of breathed through the first part and then pushed the baby out and wow. yeah, um, oh, wow. he broke he broke the amniotic sac with his head when he came out. Oh, yeah. And then I was holding him to my chest and I just was like, I turned to my husband, Tim. I was like, we still don't know the sex of the baby. So I turned him and Tim could see better than I could that it's a boy. (laughs) Oh, and he must have been so chilled out (laughs) because... He hadn't, like, the waters hadn't even gone, like, what a lovely entrance into the world where it had been so calm, you know, like, coming out with some of the waters still there. And I think that's really lovely. Was he born in the water? Were you still in the water? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, you were? You were? Oh, so nice. So nice. Yeah. Oh, I stayed in that tub. I did not want to leave that tub. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Oh, so good. And how did you feel afterwards? Were you, did you feel quite different to how you felt first time or... Oh my you God. had your voice. You had your voice second time, which I is always good. Voice and I had this like amazing feat that I had just accomplished. But I, I, I felt so good, so happy and empowered, but also exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd had like a couple of days, hadn't you, of, you know, stop, start type things. So that's always quite difficult, isn't it? To fully yeah. rest when you've got those Braxton Hicks, but they sounds like they were doing, they were obviously doing something um yes. during that time and yes. you know it sounds like your oh yeah your your body did exactly what it needed to do and what a different experience to your first time I know that you are a huge hypnobirthing advocate now um do you do you talk to people about it do you recommend it to people <laughs> I always think once you've had a good experience you kind of want to shout it to everybody Yes, I honestly feel like it is my feminist duty to all yeah. women to like let them know about hypnobirthing. Right, um, I know. And so my friends, they're like, "You're a walking commercial for it." And I'm like, I know. So I gotta, I gotta. What I do is I, I try and not over talk about it to people, but I'll send them some of your your episodes. I'll send them the oh, intro. Yeah, I send them the intro. <laughs> to hypnobirthing and then the one that you did the history of um because I found that really compelling and so I send those two episodes to friends and be like hey let me know if you want to talk about this more but like here's some little tidbits and I can feel like I do my duty (laughs) Uh, I don't I totally get it I feel like I like yeah you want to talk to everybody about like anyone that's pregnant like I need I need to talk to you about this but you really it's really hard because you don't want to like overstep the mark and then then think oh my god like shut up about hypnobirthing <laughs> so hard to kind of plant just a little seed and then really hope that they do you know listen to those episodes or like go and do some research on it because it's so oh, I mean everyone listening to this is obviously interested in it so you know they we don't need to convince anyone here I'm sure but it's just so worth doing and as we kind of said already even if you take like one bit from it like something will will sit and it will help in some way you might not have 
the experience that you've had, you know, which was, uh, you know, lovely and manageable, but there'll be something that helps, you know, it helps change your mindset slightly or helps you manage those surges more or something like that helps you ask questions or stand up for yourself. So it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I think everybody should do it, but (laughs) I would say that. Um, but yeah, no, I get it. It's hard. It's, it's, it's difficult trying to get that message out without being too pushy about it, but yeah, keep talking about it though. And keep sharing your story with people because we need to hear the positive stories as much as we hear the horrible stories. So yeah, tell everybody definitely. Oh, thank you so much. That was really interesting. And it's been, yeah, lovely talking to you. As I said to you at the start, I always love talking to somebody who's really, really loves hypnobirthing. It yes. always, it's always nice because I feel like kindred spirit. It's exactly how I felt. And then I thought, what should, like, I was trying to think of what kind of I'd had my children and I was like, oh, I don't know about whether I want to carry on doing the work that I was doing. And I thought, I talk about hypnobirthing all the time. I might as well just make that my job. Like I talk about it it. constantly. Why don't I make that my job? (laughs) And yeah, yeah, I think when you have a real passion for it, it's there's definitely ways that you can share that with the world. So it's definitely very important. But thank you so much. It's been lovely to talk to you. And yeah, thank you for sharing your story. What a lovely positive story and again like touching on the fact that you were late to hypnobirthing as well and what an incredible difference it made to your birth yeah even though that you know you were kind of late when you did a course or found it it's you know it's amazing that it made such a difference and you know changed your mindset I was gonna say um something that I forgot to mention is that um you know I started with a fear of the epidural or fear of not using the epidural. Yeah. Um, and then um I listened to your podcast and found out that nitrous oxide is another option. Yeah. And at the hospital, I wasn't able to do that. They don't offer they that. So the birth center offered nitrous oxide, but no epidural. And I was like, yes, that's what I want. There you and, go. Yeah. And then I forgot about the nitrous oxide when it was happening. Like I was just so relaxed and so fine that just I didn't just, need it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's something that I learned recently, actually, because I teach quite a lot of people from the US. And um, I only quite recently learned that actually it isn't um, in that many hospitals, which I didn't really realize before. I've taught in some other countries, like Scandinavian countries where they don't have it, but I hadn't. I don't know. Yeah. Only I've taught a lot of people, but it had never kind of become something that had come up, I guess. And I only recently knew that it wasn't massively popular. So how interesting, but sometimes as well, I always think out of sight, out of mind, like with the epidural, Mm. you put yourself in a place where it's not even an option. And I think that that definitely helps with Mm. not having it. You know, if you can't, can't see it or think about it, then you don't have to you know, you don't worry about it so much. So, but thank yeah, you so fun. much. It was so lovely to talk to you and share your story. And I hope that you are doing good with your two little ones and that they're not exhausting you too much. <laughs> I say, I can say that. I say that laughing. I can say that. Um, I still get exhausted. So yeah, perfect. Thank you so much, Kelly. It was lovely to speak to you. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me do this. (laughs) No, thank you so much. This podcast like survives on people sharing their stories. It's such a 
massive part of of it so thank you so much um and yeah i'll speak to you soon thank you thank you bye bye a big big thank you to kelly for coming on and sharing her story hopefully everybody found that really helpful and as i said at the beginning it's just a really great example of that kind of last minute success that can be had with hypnobirthing as always if you are enjoying the podcast i would really appreciate it if you would rate and review it it just really helps other people find it it also just helps me as well um so i really appreciate that i will speak to you all in two weeks time with another episode goodbye